money from our children and borrowing from China. To take out a credit card from the Bank of China in the name of our children, driving up our national debt that, that we are going to have to pay back. That's irresponsible. It's unpatriotic. The government's irresponsible spending is turning us into slaves. You might well literally lock us into chains, at least our children. We gotta deal with this big long-term debt problem or it will deal with us. And uh, it is a, uh, I think it's a, I think it is, it's a... I'm asking you, join us to stop this fiscal train wreck. Join us to protect our children from an inferior standard of living, from a crushing burden of debt and taxes. Okay, I don't believe in any of the tax cuts. I didn't want tax cuts for the rich. I didn't even want it for the middle class. Okay, because you know why? Because it puts a $400 billion hole in the budget and we just can't afford it. And as we discuss deficit reduction, which is clearly a major issue. For decades, we have piled deficit upon deficit, mortgaging our future and our children's future. And the deficit thing is real and the debt thing is real. We are really in trouble on it at some point. Is there a need for comprehensive deficit reduction? The answer is not only yes, but hell yes. This debt that hangs over our head, a government that spends more money than it takes in, that's not sustainable. You, know, you cannot cut taxes or increase spending unless you can pay for it. The math of federal spending does not add up. And we are spending money we do not have. We have a, a debt burden uh, that, uh, that's crushing us. Uh, it, to me, this is more of a moral issue. You can't steal from your kids and grandkids. Deficit. We think the deficit and the national debt are at a moral level. National debt is America's biggest problem. Testing, testing. One, two, one, two. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, it's actually really good. Okay, good thing, good thing. Like, are you not quite, did you kick your siblings out or something? Huh? Did you kick your siblings out or something? No, I'm in my room. Oh, it's very And like, fun. my room is like quite separated from the rest of the house. So oh, no, it's okay. quite quiet over on this side. I see, I see, I see. So how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. But wait, let me just, it's still quite like, I mean, they're still up, so let me just tell them to like, not make any noise. Like, if they do make noise and they start screaming, we'll hear it. So, right. I'll just give them that. It adds a bit of flavour, I think. Alright, hey guys, um, well guys, you and Aaliyah, I'm recording something, so like, don't scream or like, make noise or anything, okay? Thank you. And then she starts coughing. Great. <laughs> I, I think a bit of home noise is it, it adds a bit of flavor. No, it doesn't. It adds <laughs> a, a natural homemade feel. You know, when you make something at home no. and it's not as crisp. You know. But it's not. It's not like a nice homely feel where, like, I don't know, you can hear someone baking in the background. Like, you'd hear them like scream and be like, "Stop scratching me!" Shut up! <laughs> Maybe there's an element of nostalgia there for our listeners, you know, taking them back and, you know, reminiscing and all that. I don't know. And even so, like, is that the kind of nostalgia you want? I don't know. I can't really relate to, like, the whole fighting with siblings thing because I'm a lot older than my siblings. So um, yes. we didn't really do the whole fighting thing. It's just more than when they wouldn't listen to me, but it's not like a, I never like bickered with my siblings or like kind of. It's not of, a fight, it's a beat down. Yeah. I mean, not a beat down. <laughs> but... <laughs> not a beat down. 
I have an older brother yeah. and a younger sister, but I don't really remember fighting them much. I just remember us getting along and doing everything together. It was more my sister. Oh, you're the middle child. You don't give off middle child vibes. What is a middle child vibe? Middle children are a bit. Mm. They can be a bit bad vibes sometimes, <laughs> you know, middle child syndrome and all that. I thought we were like suffering from neglect, which maybe explains my personality. Maybe. Or maybe, yeah, maybe you rose above it all because you don't give me like. I don't know. Middle middle children can be a bit mm, sometimes. <laughs> I don't even know. I thought it was like last ones that were like you know, very. No, last ones are spoiled brats. Yeah, exactly. Because the way my sister talks to my mommy, that would have never run with me, boy, ever. I think it's once they have a few kids, so they kind of don't really, you know, the last. Yeah, because like they're old and stuff, and and you're raising them most of the time anyway. And life and shit hits the fan, and it's not easy. <laughs> Speaking of shit in the fan, the reason why we're here now, I don't know if I should do this. You know, like all the um, the famous podcast people, they're like, oh, so I actually know Kezia from X, Y, and Z, but I don't think I'm on that level yet. So, although I think <laughs> it would be useful to do actually practice, fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. You act like what you expect to become. Exactly. So. so that being said, I actually met you a few what a month ago, was it? At the beginning of the month. At the beginning so, of the yeah. month. That was in March. Literally the first of March, the first day of this this month. A lot has happened this month. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> this month has I, been I, the I longest mean, year ever. Honestly, I, I didn't even heard of coronavirus on the first of March. I think I'd heard of it at that point but it it wasn't like a cause for concern type of thing Mm. like you know I'd just been out for brunch with my friends like life was still very normal I was looking at booking a trip to Amsterdam for the beginning of April thank goodness I didn't book it in the end but yeah no life is very much more normal than it has been for the last maybe two weeks or so oh my so that is why we're here do you know I've actually recorded a podcast before that but i had to suspend it well not really suspend it i was being lazy basically i didn't edit it and then this happened and so this takes more precedent so i've even spending your your the corona time my corona time um i still have online classes um so where i used to go to uni have now been it's now been replaced with uh, microsoft team sessions online so my schedule is kind of pretty much the same it's just that I'm not moving around and like my location isn't changing um which is a bit difficult in terms of like productivity because obviously when I go to uni I know that you know I'm going there to study or whatever the case might be and then when I go home it's chill product and then I've now had to kind of demarcate areas in my home for work and then for relaxation but the lines get blurred more often than I'd like. <laughs> get to that word. I hate that word so much. Productivity. Ah, oh, it's like a trigger. It's a, it's a loaded word. It's a trigger word. It's a me. very like it, it. It doesn't make me very stressed out. <laughs> so we're talking about the coronavirus observations, epiphanies, whatever word is there for that kind of thing. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. Yes, when you've been yes. So we're talking about what we what we're seeing, what's going on, what's unfolding in a kind of socio-political, that's a nice word. In the socio-political impact of this of this um of this virus. So what are your like 
if you had to say like, your top three observations, what do you think they'd be? Uh, top three. That's going to be so difficult to narrow down. Um, but well, if you have more, you can say. I'll say. Okay, initial thoughts. Let's say are that we've seen humanity at its extremes. Mm. We've seen, you know, a massive amount of greed and selfishness emerge from this situation. But also at the same time, we've seen a lot of solidarity, unity, advocacy for the more vulnerable people in society. At the same time, um, so I'd say, you know, we've, so maybe that's one thing. We've mm-hmm. seen both extremes of how, you know, humans can operate. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing maybe I'll say is that it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't want to say like exposed capitalism, but I think that has operated as a bit of a wake-up call Mm. there's things that we already knew about capitalism we already know it's an exploitative system we already know that you know it renders a lot of people vulnerable we already know that it serves you know the the elite in society it serves just a very small minority of people and and can only operate subjugate and it only functions if a huge majority of people are subjugated um so that that one percent as we call it um can reap the benefits of it um but i think we've seen the 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 expose if you'd like has probably come from seeing seeing it in action kind of thing because it's always been very i don't know you could say it's been more covert you could say it's not you know unless you have you know studied or been educated in a certain way it operate on a day-to-day um kind of basis but then we've seen it we've seen the 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 greed and the exploitation and and the impatience and the individualism and the 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 lack of um welfare and protection for employees um through various employers that have decided that you know they aren't going to provide a before the government um before the government announced um, their their um, the their system, their new kind of initiative to deal with this situation, we saw the greed of employers who didn't want to provide sick pay for their for their employees. Um, we saw the greed of landlords who were still demanding rent from their tenants. Um, so we, we we saw the the, the greed and, and the exploitative nature of capitalism in action. It it was just like it, it kind of played out before our eyes, whereas you don't really see it play out to that kind of low level everyday mm. extent. Mm. Um third thing. Um I think it's like a reset for the planet, mm-hmm. a sort of like an opportunity for reflection, for reevaluation. You know, where what what have we been doing up until this point, and where were we going, and where should we think about going now? So, you know, we were hearing things about you know pollution levels dropping. As I mentioned before, there's more kind of concern for 
upholding and maintaining and protecting the welfare state mm. um so kind of on a socio-environmental level even um you could say that this virus has pushed a big reset i mean it's completely shut down entire cities no transport systems businesses aren't running all that kind of thing so um yeah i think it's provided a massive opportunity um for people to reflect um and to think about maybe there's another way that we can live and maybe there's another um way in which society can interact with each other and um yeah whether we take that opportunity i guess you know is what we'll see and as as in the next couple of years as we kind of recover from this but um yeah those are the three main things that i'd say it was very long-winded my apologies <laughs> no 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 it's what we do here at black politics we educate <laughs> the people you know we we go into detail so my podcast i have to put around a lot of times because i'm rambling on in anger and rage and um it's always nice when someone else does the rambling in a in a nice way in a, in a, in a, in a complimentary way anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, I think I share most of your your sentiments, to be honest. Like you said, it's something we, like, I don't know if you identify as being on the left, but do you? I'd say, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I sounded so uncertain. Yeah, I think, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. Based on people who hear how I speak, like, I don't know, because I just feel like there's so many, when you say, like, left, then there's so many kind of associations yeah, and inferences like, that can you know, be made. Performative left. Like oh yeah, but like I would say my politics yeah I don't want to get would be considered more like left wing Mm -hmm. yeah we on the left have always been trying to say this you know that's kind of really why I started this podcast because when I started to find out you know how the cake was really baked I was almost shocked at you know the cruelty like you said of this of this system it almost seems like the cruelty is the point because there was no real other real reason why. You know, it could be designed. You can even have a system like we have now where there's extreme exploitation, but people are still, you know, living pretty decently. Like the fact that I always use the example of Jeff Bezos. I don't know why, because he's the richest man in the world. But the fact that he's making, you know, the amount he's making, I always say to people, all the money he makes are from what his workers have produced. Now, if Jeff Bezos right now is worth about 160 billion, if he was worth 100 billion, and that meant the lowest Amazon employee is on 50 pounds an hour we'll probably still be worth more than 100 billion anyway he's still ripping him off so the amount of money you know he's taken out of the system you know in which they're like hundreds of thousands of employees it's still unfair you know for one person to take so much and the rest of them to have relatively little but you know 50 pounds an hour is a very decent you know wage to live on most of that would be probably over like you know 60 70 thousand pounds a year so he's still exploiting them, but they're living nicely. But that's not enough for him. He has to make sure they, you know, they scabs and they have like, you know, the bare minimum, which I've never really understood. To me, that's almost like psychopathic. So it's quite interesting that, you know, all the people have been saying like, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? They now, all of a sudden, they acquire when the government says we're going to say, oh, two trillion to do this, just like that. And no one says, how are we going to pay for it? All I've been doing here in the past few days is posting on Snapchat and Twitter. Like, for everyone that's ever said, how are we going to pay for it? Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's, what <laughs> been, that's what I've been posting. Because Yeah, my, do you know what? Like a lo- that's Sorry, That's man. been, like, a lot of, you know, what people have been saying in terms of, as in what you've said, in terms of clearly there is a capacity and we can pay for this. And I was just like, 
I was just doing some Googles earlier on. And mm. last year in the Labour manifesto, um, Jeremy Corbyn proposed spending 150 billion towards a social transformation fund. And in the social transformation fund, it would involve the replacing, upgrading and expansion of schools, hospital, care homes and council. And kind of I identified that because it kind of it, it mirrors the it mirrors where coronavirus has really targeted. It's targeted the health system. It's mm. targeted the education of people. Um, there's the issue of people who are living in council housing. How are they going to be able to, um, you know, will they have their rent suspended, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then if you now come, so that's 150 billion pounds. And then if you now compare it to basically the amount of money that the government would be spending currently under the measures that were announced by Rishi Sunak um, last week, um, it's 30 billion to employers so that they can do, um, they can roll out the scheme of paying um, their employees that are still on their payroll at least 80% of their salary. So that would amount to roughly 30 billion. Mm -hmm. Then there's 30 billion um, of tax that they would have taken this year that has been deferred. Then there's 7 billion extra support to welfare and one billion supports for renters. And that totals to an amount of 98 billion pounds. And in these kind of, in the context of these astronomical figures, you could say there's not that much of a difference between 98 billion pounds and 150 billion pounds. So clearly the money was there. All I feel is It was just chosen not to be that. used or under the context of Jeremy Corbyn and Labour, it wasn't seen as feasible. Whereas now that actually it probably was it was closer to being feasible than not it, it wasn't closer to being feasible even if in trillion that's still feasible like if anyone listened yeah if anyone's listening right now hello sandra i know you're listening and i've listened to the first episode of my podcast i i don't know how much i want to scream this from the rooftop the government can spend money without limits i know people feel dumb when they think that but that's literally true you do not have to pay for, which it, it, it annoys me because a lot of the time leftist politicians like, you know, Jeremy Corbyn during the election, when they say, how are you going to pay for it? They're going to say, oh, we're going to pay for it by taxing this. Ta no, you don't even have to say that. There's no need for taxing. If they ask you, how are you going to pay for something? Just ask them, just tell them. There's a place called the Bank of England. You know what they print in, in the Bank of England? Pounds. They're going to write a bill saying we want to do it. Give them the money. It's zeros on the computer which is what they need to be telling people. Right now, no one's going to ask the Conservatives how they're going to pay for it because they know it's zeros on the computer. So why are you going to give in to bad faith how you're going to pay for stuff when you know they don't care how you're going to pay for it? They just want to say you can't have it, you know? Eat your broccoli. You can't have nice things, basically. And I, I was looking at some of the news, some of, some of the ones in the US, I don't know if it's the UK as well, they were saying something about how in, in New York, in their public school system, there's 110,000 children that are homeless. And so they can't, they didn't want to close schools because those children only eat in school. They don't have food when they go home. Mm -hmm. and I looked at that and I thought, this is the richest country in the history of the world. Children have to go to school because they have no food. I mean, does anyone even hear how that sounds? Yeah, no, it sounds, uh, it sounds absolutely nuts. It genuinely does. Kids, like babies, like the children. Especially when you consider kind of the the the, the perception and the image, you know, America, 
you know, this place, your dreams come true and you can achieve X, Y, Z and it's the greatest country in the world and it's the most this and the most that. Mm. But in terms of the welfare of its citizens and its people, like... It's piss poor. Like I don't know how well, how how else to kind of someone, articulate it. Someone, someone but it's piss poor, it. and there's nothing someone. to be to to proclaim to, to proclaim greatness over, or to say that you know, I, I I don't understand how you can claim that a country is so great when the basic human rights and needs of the individuals, of many individuals, the majority of indi- individuals are not met. It's it's insane. I think. Like you said, he's really exposed, you know, the despair, which is, again, a lot of time, people, we, we on the left, it's really me, because I'm a, I'm a politics nerd. I've been, you know, there, were, there was a, this good um, independent journalist that went to um, Michigan, you know, where the whole Flint, Michigan stuff happened. Mm-hmm. But then he also went to Detroit and he was talking to people there and they were talking about these people are essentially under siege from their states. You know, they're taking, you know, gas money. In fact, you know, you know they foreclose on them. Are not paying their water bills. Are you they, joking? They steal their houses essentially for water. I mean, it's one of the most. And the, and the lady, she was, she's this black lady. She was talking and she was crying. She was like, "We've talked." She was like, "Who do we have to go to? The United Nations." And he's almost like, "Yeah, the United Nations should step in because these people have no recourse." You know, think about these people living in you know these countries where you know someone was like in America is always say, "Oh, why can't we have this? Why are we going to pay for that?" Next thing you know, bank you know banks and people are asking for money. They, you know they, they passed today two trillion. The bailout two trillion. Yeah, I, mean, I saw that today. Team. Actually, I mean this is it's just in people's faces how much they're being ripped off. And I think it is nice that there is a nice realignment. Like maybe I don't know if it's realignment because you always wonder with these things. There, there's an incredible amnesia. Maybe not amnesia that the public has. Maybe it's just the propaganda system is so great that, you know, this is going to happen. And then next year, or maybe in a few months' time, when the election comes around, they're going to ask the same question. How are you going to pay for it? Even that's though they the know thing, what like, that, That's what I was, that's one of the things that I, you know, was thinking about um, as I was thinking about this kind of conversation we were going to have and just about the coronavirus. And, you know, so we, 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 we've established that we've been exposed to the those qualities of those elements that drive this capitalist system but that doesn't that this exposure this enlightenment this whatever you might call it is essentially worthless if the world doesn't actually learn from this and you know if there is an action based on what we have learned and the knowledge that we have acquired and the understanding that we have acquired you know are, are the people who who voted in this con- this this incompetent Tory government, complete incompetency with regards to the handling of this virus? Are they going to remember this in five years' time, when it's time for the next general election? Probably not. You know, be exactly. And I think we even crisis mysterious. We we can even yeah. see that you know people may forget this very soon, just based on even the greed of human individuals not necessarily the corporations but just everyday individuals mm-hmm. and the greed and the selfishness that has been um that's been exhibited mm-hmm. you know there was th- this this is a time for people to, to to come together to protect one another especially in a situation where in our case in the uk the state has taken so long to act 
but we've seen that you know people are the they're, they're they're hoarding and panic buying and they're not allowing nhs workers um you know opportunity to shop and now we've had to you know clearly stipulate a time and an hour for nhs workers and the vulnerable and the elderly and whatever to shop mm-hmm. i've heard stuff about nhs workers getting um their, their their identity badges ripped off them so that people can go and claim free food this somewhere like, like some you know absolute madness <laughs> and, in, and insanity so that it, even the fact that those incidents exist just seriously make me doubt like yeah we've had this opportunity for reflection and contemplation and all of this but will will it be applied will the lessons we've learned be applied and personally i'm quite skeptical and uh, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not really optimistic at all about it. Um, I hope so. I really do hope so. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it will be entirely fruitless. I think, at the least, it will take us kind of a closer, a, like one step closer, towards people really rising up and speaking up and demanding their rights and demanding that welfare protection and demanding um protection from their from their employers and support in terms of finances mental health working conditions all of those types of things um i think the knowledge is going to empower people to act um with more more diligently more fervently more enthusiastically kind of see those results and we can say that ah there's been a tangible change to this system and this happened because of what we saw unfold as a result of the coronavirus wow powerful words i think you're a lot more optimistic than i am i'm not gonna lie really because i think when i when i um start to you know look back at it i mean i've always thought you know it hasn't changed my mind personally about most of the stuff. I've always, you know, thought capitalism must be overthrown, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing I was thinking about the past few weeks, even before this whole thing happened, I was reading um this book by Frederick Frederick Douglass and he mm-hmm. was talking about you know like that. And what he kind of talked about was that even the people that that were in charge of the system, they didn't really understand. And I think that's that's been quite evident this whole you know this whole crisis because you have a talk i think it was a couple of days ago it began in the u.s where trump was saying we have to start the economy again because you know the cure can't be worse than the, the disease or something like that and the question was like so what what is this economy then first that is the economy if it's not the people that are in it it shows that those people themselves they have no control they just they worship at the altar of this thing that they can't stop like, it's not a thing where, sometimes I feel quite sorry for them. It's not a thing where, you know, a lot of them are, like, just incredibly greedy, which they are, but they, they can't help themselves. That's the game they're playing. So you have a situation where, you know, Trump is literally saying, you know, even if thousands of people die, well, the economy has to start back up again. What does that mean? What is this economy that we have to worship so much and we have to pay deference to? Like, they, they speak of it like it's some kind of alternate, you know, reality that we have to appease, and if not, it's going to be bad and the numbers are going to be down. So what? You know, that's the one thing I've always thought, even before I knew enough about the economics of, you know, how government is funded and stuff. When do we say stuff like, you know, we have um, 
25% of children in the UK living. And then they say someone proposed, okay, 20 billion to fix that. But how are we going to pay for that? Who cares if we have to, like, look for pennies in the streets? They're children that have no food. There's no expense that must be spared. Even if we do have a limited amount of money, which we obviously don't, we can't spare any expense. But they generally talk about it as though, like, you know, Let's weigh it. Human lives or some worthless paper we print. Which is more valuable? How do they genuinely pick the paper? Which I don't think that's changed because I'm pretty sure Boris is probably going to start talking about that soon. You know, we have to get... And it's insane because the paper, it's... I I think we... We forget that, like, money only... Money and and this paper and and all these ideas only have their value because of the worth that we've attached to it it's not something real this system of of capitalism isn't it's not some kind of inevitability or some natural order that we've just happened to evolve into it's a product of people's ideas and perspective and what they've chosen to attach worth to and um just to kind of go back to Rishi Sunak's announcement um last week he said something really interesting which kind of I think speaks to this point that I'm making and he talked about building the system from scratch and I just felt like you know it was further evidence of the fact that this system you know it's 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 a construct it's something that we have constructed and arguably it can be deconstructed we've seen how this virus COVID-19 has evidently deconstructed the system So then that also leaves an opportunity for it to be reconstructed in favour of the vulnerable in society, in in the interests of that 99%, in the interests of the 25% of children who are living in poverty. And it really kind of just emphasises the choice that there is. This isn't, you know, a system that we are slaves to and that we have no choice in how it can function and operate. You know, it's, it's really kind of, shown that there are choices made here and you know governments are still they're still in trillions of dollars of debt whilst investing in these massive companies and bailing out all these banks why not be in those trillions of debt having invested in your people having protected the vulnerable i mean they can even Um, they can even do both because again the debt is a made-up thing it's a bit like borrowing from your savings account to put in your current account it's still your money you know in your head, you might be like, okay, I owe my savings this much. I'm going to put it back later. It's still your, it's still your money at the end of the day. It's just that, you know, the, the deficit is in your head. And government borrows. They just put zeros on a computer, you know, and that's it. It's literally that simple. And I think if people understood this, this whole thing wouldn't surprise them. Because maybe it's because I am on lefty Twitter a little bit. So maybe I am quite insulated. But we, I mean, we always have to, you know, put fun at the government every time they announce their spending packages. Oh, well. Where that money come from? How are you going to pay for it, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And you even see all the people that have been saying, you know, go and get a second job. You know, everyone's mocking them like, oh, Bowen wants a bailout. Why don't you just go and get a, get a second job or something like that? But they have no shame, and they're going to do it again and again and again. And I don't know. It's very depressing because you can see the government pushing back. One of the theories that was suggested as to why Trump was saying we have to start the economy up again is that if they don't, they're going to have to suspend rents. They have no choice, and then they're going to have to suspend utility payments. And then people are going to be like, wait, so you could have done this before anyway. <laughs> you only do it now. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm even in a similar situation myself where my rent is due, like, you know, in a few days. And I called up the um, the universal credit people today. 
And they just said, oh, we're just going to, you know, we're going to check it and, uh, you know, just give us a tenancy agreement and we'll just pay it. And I was like, so they, they could just cancel it or they could just pay it. Either one is fine by them because they have unlimited amount of money. That's what they do. But it shows, whereas, you know, in this kind of situation, if someone else was, you know, if this wasn't the kind of emergency where they, they said to me, there wasn't, they're not doing that many checks because there's so many people claiming they're just going to do it and then check it later. Whereas in a situation where someone desperately needs it, they're going to make them wait and ask their siblings and ask their nephew and their cousin. And then the person's going to get kicked out. And they're like, well, you know, why don't you just get a job? So they could just help people and ask questions later, you know, but they don't want to even want, even want to do that. It's, it's depressing, honestly. It's very depressing. Yeah, I I think it, it just, I don't know, it shows, it, it just shows you so many different things. Like it's, it's, it's possible, like there is the capacity for this. And I think it also shows the potential of collective action because you literally just said that so many people are claiming for this and so many people are demanding this that they're not asking questions and they're not going through that process of, you know, trying to invalidate someone's claim and, mm-hmm. and, and wear them down until they refuse to claim. And I think maybe this is a bit idealistic of me, but you know, I, I think it does kind of show that if, if a lot of people demand something mm. uh, in the way that people have demanded for rents to be suspended and they've demanded, um, you know, for, for, for there to be um, support for, for, for people who are working. And then, you know, in the initial um, measures that were announced, that people felt there weren't enough protections for, for freelancers and self-employed people they demanded and then it was provided. So I don't know if we should just take the opportunity in this uh, in, in this current circumstance to demand and demand and demand and then maybe through that establish some kind of capacity for a new normal to be established. Um, I don't know, it might be idealistic yeah, of me, I, but... I, mean, I, I, think, I think you have a point because... I guess even maybe in the long term people might forget, but in the short term, it's not going to be something where, I mean, it could be actually when people just look away and they'll just start rolling it back. But you do have a situation where you know, for example, the whole eighty percent of rent of eighty percent of um of of um, salaries. Sorry. Again, just think about that. If someone had say Jeremy Corbyn had said that during the election season, like you know, in the event of a you know a situation, I don't know whatever it is. If they're gonna step in and pay people's rents, people would lose their minds. Yeah, it would have never run. Absolutely not. I mean, I, I just you know, some of the people I've debated over the past few months as well, I just want to get in their face and just be like, What were you saying? Like you were chatting so much shit. Like, do you realize how stupid you are? But I don't I feel sorry for those people to be honest. I'm not gonna lie. I don't begrudge them because I do understand like the the state propaganda is overwhelming. And it starts, it's not, I mean, I wouldn't even say state propaganda, it's more establishment. Because I do have friends that are very establishment in their thinking. And what that means is they're not left, they're not right wing. But the way the system has, has educated them, they only see what we can have now. What we have now is what we can always have. They can't imagine mm-hmm. anything different. So I was saying to one of my friends, one of my best friend, he's working from home till July. And he's being paid, you know, the full amount, nothing, no, no deductions, anything like that. So I said to him, like, if I said to you a few, but when you got this job, that why don't they just have you? In fact, him and I have talked about this many times as to why people have to work nine to five, which is more like seven to seven every day for five days out, seven days a week. I said, like, that's just, that should be inhumane. It's too much time. There's no reason why we have to do that. But he's 
you know, what else would we, would we be doing? Why, why shouldn't we be at, at work? It's not even that much time. You, at least you get two days off, et cetera, et cetera. And now I'm asking, well, how do you like this time then? You know, and now he's loving it. Working from home, you know, being relaxed. He's still getting his work done, but, you know, he's at home. He's relaxed in his pajamas. He doesn't have to travel early in the morning. And I said to him, if I had said this to you when you got this job, you would have said, that's crazy. That can never happen. It's too radical. It's too this. It's too that. But look how easy they can just do it if they wanted to. It's almost like, what are you doing? Like, you know, the, 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 the torture of it seems to be the whole point. You know, like... They can, yeah, they can I think another, another thing that, you know, is probably coming out of this is that kind of that importance of freedom of choice. That, you know, you've, you, ha- you have this example of someone who working from home has turned out to be something very beneficial for them. But then there's also a lot of people who, um, you know, just based on circumstances at home, whatever, home isn't a safe place for them. And they need those places like work, like school, whatever. But I think that through we, we've seen how people can work from home. It can work. So maybe kind of going forward there needs to be more freedom of choice as to how people um obviously school you kind of need to be in school I mean and, and I guess it's homeschooling whatever but particularly in terms of work and and people's capacities and mental capacities and all those types of things and all those factors and home environments and everything there needs to be a freedom of choice afforded to the way people work because at the end of the day it's you giving your time to um it's you giving your time to to to, to a company to a corporation financial remuneration isn't always enough there needs to be more support for workers and more flexibility with regards to okay so what is the best way in which you can work how how can we support you etc etc and I think people are learning kind of through this um through this situation and through this circumstance that you know obviously money is very important and we've seen how important money can be but also the taking care of the self and and kind of sources of welfare and sustenance outside of finance um kind of in terms of taking the time for reflection you know taking the time to do things that interest you personally um i'm gonna go back to you you said earlier on when we were talking that you hate the word productivity And I think this has given people an opportunity to be, I don't want to say unproductive, but to look at life from a different perspective and to seek something in, inside of themselves that doesn't necessarily have to be tied to productivity and output and that you can do things for yourself that just remain for you as part of your journey and your growth and whatever else. 100%, 100%. I think I think what you said about freedom of choice is very important because I, I did say that to him as well. Like, it is different. I think that's one thing I did concede to him. Like, being able to choose and obviously being having to do it is different. If they mandate you to, you know, to, to have to go into work or to take your leave, it's not the same as you realizing, oh, I'm only doing um, spreadsheet stuff today. I can do that. Computers are computers and I can do that from home. That is a different feeling to you having to, you know, ask and they tell you and then they say today you can do it. You know, it doesn't quite, you know, hit the same, does it? So I think that is that is um quite I think you segued nicely also into what I was gonna ask you, which is like what what do you think about the social I think we talked a bit about the whole greed and you know hoarding and stuff like that. I do have a bit of a different take to you on that, but I'll I'll let you go on first. 
In terms of social aspect? Yes. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's good and bad in some ways as well. Um, I don't think there's an entirely straightforward answer, but kind of like I was saying earlier before, I think it does provide um, an opportunity for people in terms of being more flexible with our time and having more time afforded to us, you know, time that you're not, you know, we've kind of claimed back time from a commute or from, you know, whatever else to, yeah, to, to focus on that kind of on the self and on, on, on your, your, your mental, your spiritual, your physical, whatever um, kind of thing it might be. And yeah, just looking for sources of sustenance um, that don't necessarily materialize into money or something physical and tangible mm. um but i will say you know it's it's difficult to be I, I think it's also maybe the situation has created an appreciation for those opportunities to socialize and to physically connect with people mm-hmm. um i think it's something that maybe we did previously just you know just ex- expecting it and just you know seeing it as a just the standard thing of life and now that it's kind of been taken away from us that thing of you know you don't know what you have and it's gone mm. but um i think i hope that people make more of an effort to physically connect with people um after this period and to spend time with each other um you know look at each other you know express emotions to each other be affectionate with each other um all kinds of things like that cuz honestly as you know talking to my friends over the house party app you know it's fun there's giggles but it's it's not enough for me and um I I think it's kind of this time is also this time of self-isolation is also a bit dangerous in the sense that you know there are people who will completely probably disconnect from other people and you know that raises a bunch of issues with regards to mental health um, I think some people are talking about concerns of suicide rates rising within this time. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to it. And it's it's quite a complex situation. And I don't know if I have a straightforward answer, but just many thoughts on the many aspects. Mm. I think that the, the, the social aspects of like not being able to see your friends and stuff, that is quite strange. Because, I mean, oddly enough, a lot of my friends, you know, work five days a week. Some of them are at uni. So I don't really get to see that much anyway. But I guess it's weird now that we have time, but we can't see each other. <laughs> it's a bit yeah, prison-like. You mentioned earlier about the, um, the hoarding and the selfishness and stuff like that. I think, again, when I see that kind of thing, all I feel for those people is just pity. Because this is why... Oh, I'm going to sound like such a crazy person. This is why I rail so much against capitalism. Because people don't understand beneath this whole... Capitalism is not just an economic system. It's a mindset. And mm-hmm. what it does I agree. is completely corrupts the mind. I always say to people as well, one of the worst things, in fact, not even one of the worst, the worst thing the Western occupiers countries was not, you know, their brutality and their violence. It was capitalism. Because that's the reason why we've not been able to grow in any substantial way in terms of, you know, the, the, the indicators that matter, not like GDP and all that nonsense. Poverty and, you know, health outcomes, stuff like that, is because we have the same corruption of capitalism that they have. So when we look at our countries and their countries, we might think, oh, wow, we're just, the reason why we can't do anything is because we're so corrupt. It's not. It's just because we are a farther backstage of capitalism than they are. If you look at capitalism in this country before 
you know, the 1940s after, you know, Clement Attlee and the socialist government won, it was more of the same, you know, incredible child poverty, children working in, you know, mines and, you know, was it mines? Coal mines, yeah, coal mines and all sorts of dangerous, you know, you know, jobs like that, no job security, women couldn't vote, you know, you have a very tiny upper class and then the vast majority of the people are huge underclass. These kind of things are stuff that's basically the, the growth of our, of our, our countries. They mirror each other so perfectly. And that's because of capitalism. And when you look at a country like Cuba, they've been under siege since, probably since they won their independence from the Spanish. And look at their health outcomes. Number one, like close to number one, top 10 in the world. Education, top 10 in the world. You know, all yeah, they actually have, um, I think they, they, they have one of the highest literacy rates in the world, higher than in the UK, higher than the Western world, UK, yes. US, Europe. Um, they have the highest number of doctors per capita. They have six doctors for every one person. Um, and, and, and then it's funny because they measure, then they'll, they'll classify Cuba as poor. And it's just so funny because there was a there was actually Bernie Sanders, you know, the US um running for president on the Democratic ticket. He said, Oh, you know, Cuba's, you know, healthcare and education is very good. And everyone came down, like, but they're socialist, but they're so poor. And I think it reveals a lot about those people saying that when you can have a situation where children don't go hungry, people don't die because they're poor, but somehow those people are poor and we're rich. Yeah, we have the opposite outcomes. Wouldn't it make sense for it to be the other way around? If we're the rich ones and they're the poor ones, shouldn't we have six doctors for one person? Shouldn't we have zero, you know, childhood poverty? Shouldn't we have, you know, no homelessness? People, there's no homelessness in Cuba. But again, it's because they they developed in a socialist way. Even if they had 10 years, in fact, if Cuba started from scratch right now, in 10 years, they'll probably have better outcomes than Nigeria. Because again, the mentality is completely different. When you have someone there, in any place in a capitalist system all they can think about is themselves let me just get there's no solidarity in fact capitalism completely opposes that because they don't want you to think that way they want you to think it's every man for himself i'm gonna hoard as much as i can and hoard 150 billion that i'll never spend in you know a hundred thousand lifetimes because that's just what the game is when you have a different system where people are thinking about completely different things so when i go to the shops i see you wouldn't it's funny because even though i think the way i think you almost have an, an, you know, an instinctive reaction to want to do the same. I bought two, um, two um, bottles of um, you know, the one liter oil kind of thing. Yeah. I bought that like three days ago. I'm, I'm not even halfway through the first one. And when I saw the oil, there was a lot of oil there today. I almost took another one because I was like, oh, what if I come you know, three days later and it's empty? Again, that's how you think. You have to actively correct yourself and say, actually, nah, it's fine. Yeah, definitely. I've had a similar experience um, shopping and trying not to kind of succumb to that, to, 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 to kind of to that level. Um, I was in, I was in like one of the local shops, the like, I think it was sometime last week mm-hmm. and I was buying some plantain and, you know, normally I might buy three, but then this time I bought six <laughs> And even like as I was like collecting the six, no, it wasn't even six, it was nine. Oh, I bought nine plantains. Oh, the rapid It No, really, like, and it, a part of me felt really gross and really weird about it. And I was just, I mean, there were still loads and loads of plantains left in the thing. So it's not, I wasn't like, you know, ransacking the thing, mm-hmm. but it still felt wrong. And it still felt, I don't know, I, I, I felt 
feel uneasy about it. So I just couldn't understand how there are people walking out with like entire crates of tins and cans and pasta and and whatever and you know the shops are still supplying these things and uh, you know it's not it's not like there's an issue in the supply chain of of, of these or it's not like, like if there's an issue of them struggling to get it to the shops it's there and it will be there but you know it's just it, again it's the mentality i think i saw a picture of a supermarket in switzerland everything is still there people are just buying as they need and i think that kind of that that kind of like mentality it just it just stems from this like this this fear and this frenzy and this um just this 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 irrational decision making like we're we're not giving ourselves enough time mm. and i i just finished a really interesting book by malcolm gladwell called blink and it's basically talking about rush decision making and quick decision making and how sometimes whilst that is good there also needs to be time that is taken and you know more altruistic and more positive benefits can be taken from what just taking that time to stop and to think and if we did that and if everyone stopped and thought and acted on that we'd realize that you can literally just come in as you need to get what you need and go and then come back whenever you might need some more um, you're, and you're, that you're works seeing. for everyone. Mm. We wouldn't have this issue with the NHS workers struggling to find food to eat, with the elderly struggling to find food to eat. Um, so I just think in, in these times, like with all this hysteria, I think it's the hysteria that contributes to this mindset. I, I, don't, um, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, I really do. Again, think, think about it. It's a bit like when we talk about voting and stuff. If you go through the issues, it's obvious that Labour was the better, you know, the better political party. In fact, I don't think I, I've ever I met anyone voting Conservative that had a serious policy position as to why. It's always something anecdotal, like get Brexit done, whatever that means. Or, or Labour's unrealistic, so I'm going to go for Conservatives. They never have... It's the same thing. You have to understand. It's one of... You're talking about this food stuff, yeah? A lot of people are going to throw a lot of food they buy. That's not... That's perishable. They're going to have to throw them out anyway. You're gonna have you know way too much. It's gonna expire, stuff like that. But it's you can literally see a direct link between that and someone like a Jeff Bezos that refuses to pay his workers, and then when he dies, he has all the money left over. There's no rhyme or reason to it. So again, when you say it, it sounds very nice and straightforward. But this system, again, think about the restraint. People like you and I that think actively about these things have to exercise to not do the same thing. Now, think about someone that's just a mum that's just at home and just, you know, they're just doing it because, you know, they're going to be out and they might, they might not be out for the next few days. Of course, they're going to go crazy because they're not going to think of it that way. The, the whole culture is, is diseased. It's corrupted. It's not, uh, you know, it's not an easy fix. And that's why I'm very pessimistic because, again, think about what you were saying about this virus stuff. What do you think in terms of the virus or, like, climate change when they're telling us we have like 10 years and then the whole world's going to go to shit and everyone's just carrying on business as usual you know there is some you know uproar i'm not gonna lie you know grassroots moving around but there's people that are like shutting stuff down and these politicians shutting stuff down and proposing bailouts and all this kind of stuff bernie sanders proposed a 16 trillion plan over 10 years was it was it 1.6 trillion over 10 years to fight climate change they all called him crazy there's just this two trillion in like one year for the banks and you know all the industries. A lot of them are massive polluters as well. Anyway, 
again, these, these, are, these people are diseased. They cannot help themselves. And I don't know what's going to cause it. This is like a good opportunity, but I don't think it's going to be enough because they're not going to let people get too comfortable. That's why they will never do this whole UBI stuff. Because once they do it, people are going to be like, wait, what? We could have done this the whole time? And then they'll never want to do the whole normal benefit stuff anyway. And then the genie is out the bottle. So they're not going to let it go too crazy, I'm pretty sure. And then, of course, once they end it, there's going to be the whole state propaganda. So let's say once you end it, and then a leftist politician says, oh, wow, but there's still 10, 15 million people, you know, still struggling. How are we going to pay for that? We've already spent 5 trillion. We can't afford any more. You know, one more pound and, you know, the whole country is going to collapse and bankrupt. And that's how they're going to shame them. And then the dumb leftist politicians, they're going to be like, oh, well, we can just tax this person. Oh, you fool. I cringe so much when they say stuff like that. But I don't know. You sound a lot more optimistic than I do. I feel just <laughs> for these people, man. Like, so if you don't think that, you know, COVID-19 is going to, you know, push that change that we're kind of hoping for, mm-hmm. what do you think will? Do you think it's possible or is it, a you will listen when you are dead type situation. I I, I think that's what it is. Um, to be fair, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I should confess to this. When this whole situation first started, I I felt like everyone was being, you know, overreacting as well. Because because to be honest, to an extent, they were. I mean, when the first situation happened, the stuff in the New York Times was like, China's locked down this population. Oh my God, authoritarian! How can they do that? And now we're doing it. And I'm guessing it's not authoritarian when we do it. Just when the Chinese did. So a lot of it was an excuse to you know bash china there was a lot of racist stuff like oh you know they're eating bats that's why we have this virus and you know my student actually said that she's in year eight and i was like why would you say that but she didn't really understand why that would be offensive yeah. Like, yeah it's true though it's true that's why that's why i think yeah she's she's still very yeah, young i think yeah. we, can, so, we can give her yeah, a, a yeah, pass to learn bro. a lot of that was a lot of it at the start was to bash china like you know Look how horrible they're handling it. This is so bad. But it, you know, is this? I, think I even read something. Was the economist something talking about how this this makes them prime for re- regime changes? So something sociopathic, like something you know, that like you think these people have completely lost their minds, you know. But now it's going for all of us. But I think the the change it, it, it can't just happen with one event. You know, these these things are too entrenched because the same people that watching you know the the the, the right wing Tory government spend this much money. I probably, if you if you ask them about any labor, you know, thing that they thought was too expensive, they probably still say the same thing. It's almost like they, they can't see how ridiculous they sound, you know, they just can't. And there's so many examples of, you know, it being ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't think we're that far removed from the whole bank bailout situation. And, you know, that happened and people just moved on from it. In fact, we're still in a fucking Iraq war that there was a report. Think about how mad this is. A report came out saying, the war was a fraud and based on lies and we're still there <laughs> these are the kind of people you're dealing with so what hope do you have when we had an election last year that didn't even come up <laughs> i mean how are we going to pay for that probably spending what one plus you know two billion or so a year in there no conversation i don't think this one thing is going to change their minds i don't think so at all okay i mean shout out to the pessimism <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch the world burn. I'm not going to lie. I just, I want to see it all burn. So you're definitely on the you will listen when you are dead oh, side of things. Oh, most definitely. But see, I, I wouldn't say that because that comes, that sounds like it comes from a place of like, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you just like, not, not arrogant, but more like, you know, 
no sympathy with i do feel sorry for them because i understand you know it's not their fault they just know you know what they've what they've been told yeah and you know even when they try not you know they're trying to you know look at it a different way the propaganda is so vast like i remember like growing up in school and they were like to us in history or oh, communism is like when you know everyone gets the same amount so someone sits at home and does no work and someone does 50 hours of work and they get the same amount and obviously everyone was like oh no one likes that and that's literally what we taught on communism. i mean i mean imagine if north korea taught on capitalism you know what, you know what they would say yeah just lies just just lies because i'm getting so angry thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> it's passion it's good <laughs> it's, it's insane it's insane. I think it's, it's something like unlike anything that's ever happened before, maybe. Because it's, it's such a world lockdown, isn't it? It's not like just... Yeah, like I've, I've genuinely never, like, I, I'm trying to think, you know, we've, we've experienced, albeit as very young children, mm-hmm. you know, the whole bird flu thing and swine flu. But I, I don't remember it having such an impact on how the world worked and functioned honestly the biggest probably impact i can recall from swine flu was that we weren't allowed to have um the blood of christ at communion at church because we all had to drink from the same cup so that was cancelled for a few weeks but honestly that's as far reaching as the impacts were of swine flu for me oh for what kind of i can remember of it well the the persecution huh i said the persecution not being able to no. drink from the same cup. Huh? I said not being able to drink from the same cup. The persecution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was kind of as far as the impacts of swine flu went. But um yeah, this is you know causing a, a major shift and I don't know, you know, what other events would be required to kind of get to that stage of change that we hope for. Um but I, I do hope that people, or I have so, and I have some hope that people will kind of take away something from this, especially the 99%. And, you know, we can realise actually there's a lot more choice than what we have been offered and that we can't kind of keep looking to the establishment. And, you know, the establishment, they, they always give us the choices. But um, I think it's kind of up to us to, explore things on our own as well and independent of the establishment and whatever they seem to be offering us and I think now we've realized that you know there's always a little bit more or a lot more to offer us and that we have to demand it 100 percent, 100 percent. I think um this is a nice place to leave it for today we'll, we'll come back to this in like I don't know a few weeks we'll see what happens maybe by that time our society will be opening up again. I think they are saying we haven't reached a peak yet, so expect a lot more death and gore, I guess. Yeah, your loved ones will die. Yeah. That's how we said it. Your loved ones will die. Deal with it. Wow. But yeah, thank you for having it me. Was, it was beautiful. I, you know, I haven't recorded in a while, so it was nice, actually. And everyone's told me, you know, it would be better to have, you know, guests, because I guess it is kind of hard to ramble. If I was doing this on my own for 57 minutes, you can just feel the rage and you know, the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have a back and forth, a difference of opinion. Well, maybe not a difference of opinion, but we did disagree on... Not disagree, you know. We saw things differently on some issues, I guess. 
you're more yeah. optimistic than I am. Or, or our levels of intensity <laughs> are varying. That too, that too. I had to calm myself sometimes, you know, while, 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 while delivering that. But yeah, this was this was very nice. I will speak to you. Thank you for having soon, me. Hopefully on, you know, I don't know, things are looking up by that time, although I doubt it somehow. We shall we see. Shall see in the, yeah, in the meantime, it's been good, guys. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye.